Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 132 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And we are happy to be with you for another week of the Beers and Bible Podcast. Uh, Week three of the Beers and Bible Big Box Bash Balooza, whatever, (laughs) Big Box Beer Bash, whatever we're calling it. Dude, Bonanza. By the final, final, we'll have it down, and then it won't matter. Maybe we'll have it down. I don't know. We we make up something different every week. Yeah, so so this is week three (laughs) of the quarterfinals, um, and this week we have um, what I believe to be... um, it's it's not gonna. There's not gonna be an upset here. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, this week we have the Corona Extra, uh, <laughs> Cerveza, <Sorry>. and uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Blue Moon Belgian White, um, going up against each other. And if history is going to repeat itself, Anthony and I will not enjoy the Corona at all. <laughs> How it made it through this through to this round, I'm not really I- sure. I'm convinced that some of y'all who voted for this, like, you voted for it just to put it in because you knew we hated it. Like, I think y'all did this on purpose. If that's what you did, shame on you. <laughs> I'm going back to look here. Uh, so, Corona actually What was it up against? Went against... Where is it? Did I delete it? Was it that bad? It might have been. Um... Oh, this is the one that... No. Is this the one that tied and we had to redo it? Possibly. I think that may have been what happened. So this this one was up against Lagunitas. Yes, this is the one that tied. Yeah, so it's either Corona Extra or an IPA, which we've already eliminated one IPA. <laughs> and, uh, spoiler, we're probably going to eliminate a second IPA next week. <laughs> so... In case you don't know. Sorry, all you people who actually enjoy IPAs. I'm not anti-IPA. I'm just never going to choose it on purpose. I, I'm not. Yes, I, I'm anti-IPA. I'll, I'll say it. I get that. Okay, so um, <laughs> let's get to cracking. Do we want to start with the Corona just to get it out of the way here? We might as well because, look, so I went to the store and they had Corona minis. Nice. So I didn't even I don't I didn't even get twelve full ounces of Corona because I knew how bad it was going to be. Cool. And I came home with them, and I did have to buy six of them. And my wife was like, "Why did you buy those?" She's like, "You hate those." And I was like, "Yeah, I know, but it's for the podcast." And she's like, "Well, drink one, and we're going to give the rest to your mom because she likes them." That's a good <laughs> idea. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. So Corona, um, four point six percent ABV, um, and that is literally all that is all the information that is really necessary. Uh, for this one, yeah. uh, Mexican Cerveza. Yeah, Mexican Cerveza. Uh, their Corona's website says it 
pairs with just about anything, if that matters to anybody, if you would ever actually drink this and eat at the same time. Um, <laughs> but let's get to cracking. Let's get this over with so we can get to the blue moon. There we go. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Oh, crap. I thought it was Twist Top. <laughs> I thought I thought Corona was Twist Top, but apparently it's not. So I may need to go get tequila to get this down. <laughs> get some tequila and some grenadine. <laughs> go make the TikTok drink again. We don't have any orange juice, but I would. Oh, God. This, Just the smell of it. This may be another one of those that needs a lime to be better. Uh, I, so, I think last week I've shared, I shared that I have had... Um, some Modelo, now yeah, that it's cold. cold. Yeah, Guinness, at, right out of the bottle, like the bottle says it's supposed to be drank, is really, really good. Way better. Mm-hmm. It's way better than it was in a glass. So You did you did some search for me on the, what's it, it's called a widget? A widget, yeah. The little, the little thing that goes in the can? Yeah. That's kind of cool. And it adds to the, it helps the nitrogen is what it does. Like they put it in there, uh-huh. they can it, and then it releases the nitrogen to make it uh, the nitrogenated. Yeah deal so no. there you go there so, you go corona you don't stand a chance but we got to do it so <laughs> for bo- the people <laughs> for the people bottoms up bottoms up let's roll that is that is straight nasty oh my gosh this like mm. all right this might be the closest thing to calic that i think I can I, like this. Just reminds me of Kalik. Uh, my body just it's, shut down. Mm-hmm. I hate Corona. Oh my gosh, it's gross, dude. That is like that is like a capped two Luthers. If we had to, that that is a one Luther beer. Is what that is. Uh, there, there is nothing redemptive about that. I only had seven ounces, and I'm probably not going to finish it. No, I'm not. That's gross. So I had 16 ounces, and I know I'm not going to finish it. Yep, it's getting one Luther for me. All right, well, we know, we know... The flavor is nasty. It doesn't taste good. It's like, I could see if it was the only thing available. I think I'd rather drink water if it's the only thing yeah, available. Yeah, I'd probably pass, too. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I don't know if there's anything redemptive <laughs> about this. Maybe, it, maybe this one absolutely has to have a lime. <coughs> Cause you know how like the Corona commercials always have, like mm-hmm. oh you put a lime in the bottle. But my thing is, if you need to add something to your beer to make it palatable, you need to stop making yeah. beer. It like at least Modelo is palatable without a lime in. It. I mean, it's better with a lime, that's for sure. But like this to me, I've and I've put limes in Coronas before, and it's just, they're just it's gross. It's just not good. And Corona's gonna come after us hard for this. this they is, probably are. What is this? Uh, What's the legal term? Slander, not, libel, not slander. Know. The thing that uh, defamation. Def, we're de- we're defaming Corona. <laughs> no, we just don't like it. It's just not good. <laughs> this is this is an opinion right here. Is what this is. I am not stating a fact. I am stating an opinion that Corona is nasty. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So let's get over to Blue Moon. Blue Moon is a Belgian style wheat uh, brewed with Valencia orange peel. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see here. 5.4 ABV, 9, 9 ABU. No, sorry. 9 IBUs, 5.4% ABV. Pretty much available anywhere you can buy beer. 
Blue Moon is based in Denver, Colorado. I say it says Colorado on the thing. I never knew they were in Colorado. Yeah, me neither. How about that? That's pretty cool. Um, what I like about Blue Moon is the can is like kind of old fashioned looking. I got the bottle again tonight. Yeah, I didn't get bottles. I don't know what so bottles was the only thing they had at my grocery store. So I got the 15 pack of Blue Moon because that's my wife's favorite beer and she couldn't have alcohol <laughs> until after <laughs> the baby got here. And so I got her a big thing of it, and then she proceeded to have drank like that was two weeks ago. No, it's been no. He's he's over a month old. I got it pretty much right after he was born, mm-hmm. and we still have that first box. So <laughs> I won't be doing that again. But but that means I didn't. It's your favorite beer that she doesn't drink. <laughs> that means I didn't have to buy uh, extra beer for this. I had it in the fridge already. So all right, Blue there Moon Belgian White. Let's crack this open and see crack. what we have. I'm on, I hope this one's a toy stop. We're going to find out. Why don't you try with the bottle opener first? This is this is a twist stop. I can see it on the thing. Okay. You, it is If a you twist cut stop. your hand open, that's on you. If I cut my hand open, it's my fault. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Oh, yeah. Twist stop. That smell is infinitely better than Corona. Yes, it does. Now, you're supposed to drink Blue Moon with an orange peel. Again. Or like a, a slice of orange that's the way they serve it. Who is like that? If you go like, to a bar. If you go to Blue Moon? If, no, if you go to a... Well, yeah, Blue Moon does. But if you go to a bar, they serve Blue Moon with an orange slice. You can either put it in there or not. But I've had it both ways, and I don't mind it either way. Like, it, the orange kind of gives it a cool flavor. But it's still good without it. All right. Well, if we don't start drinking, I'm going to burp up Corona. So All right. So let's go. Let's go. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. <laughs> Mm, I do like a blue moon. All right, confession time. I think I may have been overly harsh on blue moon my whole life. <laughs> That's really good. <coughs> the orange flavor that they brew it in, actually, I mean, like, I don't know what it is, but like, it's it's really, it's refreshing to me. And if you, I'm, I'm serious, if you squirt a little bit of, like, if you cut an orange slice, it just do the juices into it like mm-hmm. you would, you know, a lime or whatever and drink and stir it up. Oh man. It like, it really does add a good bit of flavor to it. Hmm. So, well, it's already there. It's not like you have to yeah. add something to make it taste good. It just kind of enhances. Yeah. The there, there is, there is a, you can definitely taste the orange just by itself, but I can mm-hmm. see where adding it would enhance the flavor. Like you said, um, yep. I would give this like three and a half Luthers all day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a three and a half on this one. And so, um, it's, it's not stellar. It's not great, no. but it's still it's a good beer. It's it's a rung below like Yingling for me. Yes, but it's a little different. And if you wanted something different than like a traditional lager or whatever, you'd be mm-hmm. you'd be set with Blue Moon. So, um, so Blue Moon Belgian White. Moving on to the semifinal, we have our third contestant moving on to the yep. semifinals. Yep. And next, so week, right now, yep. we're oh, at sorry, Modelo. Mm-hmm. We're at Angry Orchard. We're yep. at Blue Moon, and then next week we will decide between Founders All Day IPA and Stella Artois. I yes. feel like we know which one's already going to win. <laughs> if history is any indication, that's true. That is a fair statement. So yeah, so next week we will get the final semifinalists mm-hmm. nailed down, and then we will re rack them and figure out how we're going to do the next couple of weeks after that. So that's right. So Blue Moon on to the next round. Corona Extra eliminated in the quarterfinal. And now, after this short break, we're going to jump into our 
study. We're going to continue our book by book uh, walk through the Bible from 30,000 feet, and we are going to tackle the book of Leviticus tonight. We're going to attempt to tackle the book of Leviticus, <laughs> Leviticus tonight. So stick around with us, and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to our discussion. We're going to hit the book of Leviticus tonight, but before we dive into the book of Leviticus, we want to remind you of the RFP annual camp meeting thing that's going to be happening November 3rd and 4th at Hope Church in Danville, Virginia. Um, I, I wouldn't say annual just yet. Well, they 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 have said it's going to be annual, so oh, like they're, yeah. they're saying that it's going to be this way, and I'm like, all right, man, if you guys are... It's the first one. This is the first one. This is the first, and they're planning on doing this every year. Possibly, maybe not November. I don't know. But uh, this one's going to be in Danville, Virginia. Um, it's going to be the RFP guys, and they are working on a really cool lineup of speakers and singers November 3rd and 4th. Um, all of the podcasts, so the RFP guys, we will be there. A couple of other podcasts that are in the RFP network are going to be there. The cost is 50 bucks. Um, and that covers the speakers and all that kind of stuff for the weekend and cleanup and all the fun things. So, uh, we hope to see you there. We'd love to meet some of you guys who were hanging out and listening. And I'm sure that, uh, we will not be able to drink a beer in the church anywhere, but we'll probably pick one night if we got some folks there and we'll go grab a beer together. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Registration for that opens up on August 1st. Yes, so it does. be looking out for that. Follow the RFP uh, podcast, the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast on their social medias and uh, be looking out for that there. And we look forward to meeting some of you in Danville at the RFP camp meeting. It's going to be fun. So tonight we are continuing on and we're going to dive into the book of Leviticus. And Oof. if you're... <laughs> I actually, I really like the book of Leviticus. Like, I'm a weirdo. I understand that, and I'm okay with that. But I, I, there are parts of it that I like. What I hate is people that take bits of Leviticus way out of context. You mean they can do all things through reverse taken out of context? Yes, and it's one of my favorite <laughs> things ever. I just hate it when people take any verses out of context and try to apply it to 2022. And yeah. A lot of people will take verses from Leviticus and use it as an argument against uh, either believing in God or if you're a Christian who walks a path a little differently than the mm. tradition, they'll use Leviticus as their <laughs> as their foundation for their argument. And yep, it's not what the point of Leviticus is at all. No, no, it's not. Context is uh, everything. <laughs> context is key, and you have to remember. Um, that Leviticus is part of a larger context known as the Pentateuch, mm -hmm. which is the the giving of the law. Um, and so Leviticus is the explanation of the law of God. Yeah. Now, you remember, let's think back to Exodus. We got the Ten Commandments in Exodus, wandering in the wilderness. Okay, Leviticus is basically, there was a gap between Genesis and Exodus, 
okay? There's no gap between Exodus and Leviticus. Mm. It's like you're out in the wilderness, boom, here's what happens. You got the tabernacle, here's how you use the tabernacle. Oh, wow. And so there's there's not really a gap because Leviticus and and, and really Deuteronomy, uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy, are all wilderness books. Right. Okay, because when we get to Joshua, Joshua's when they go into the Promised Land. So um, Exodus is going into the wilderness, so really Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy all take place in the 40 years of wandering in the desert. Okay. Okay. So that's that sets up the time frame for the next few weeks. But but yeah, Leviticus is the definition, the explanation of God's law, the law of God, and it shows us how God defines sin, it shows us how God forgives sin, and it helps his people avoid sin. That was uh, um one of the books that I, I'm kind of referencing here is a book by Paul House, I think is his name. Um uh, yeah, Paul House, and it's called Old Testament Theology, and, and that was kind of his take on the a giant overview of Leviticus. This is this is kind of how you play it out. Gotcha. And so I really appreciated that quote, but the name itself, Leviticus, comes from the Levites, the Levite tribe, which we know as the priests. And so Leviticus literally means pertaining to the Levites. Yeah. And I think that there's there's a, a twofold uh, result of that definition. Mm-hmm. It aptly describes what the book is about. It, it Mm-hmm. obviously tells you what the contents of the book is but it also gives us a clue as to why it's such an unappealing book i think to contemporary yeah. <laughs> readers because we're not levites we're not priests the everyday yeah. christian is not going to be a priest who's been set a set up set apart by god to lead uh the lay people right so right. We're, it's we're not priests in the old testament sense right you know, yeah. we are a royal priesthood. Think back to First Peter. We are a royal priesthood, so we have a priestly status, but not priest in the sense that that we don't have Leviticus. Pri- we don't out. have like the priestly title. Yeah, given. our job is not to be a priest, right? Yep. Yes, and and so you end up with this book that is that really is mostly unappealing because it gives a bunch of rules and regulations and laws for yeah. stuff that doesn't really pertain to what we in contemporary society deal with. Yeah. And I, what were you going to say? I was just going to say I think the I think another reason that it's so unappealing is that there's little to no story. There's little mm-hmm. to no narrative. It's pretty yeah. much like here's how you're to do this this and this. Here's how you're not to do that. If you do this, here's all the things you have to do. There's no like uh, David and Goliath story. There's no Jonah type story. There, there's no, there's no key player in the book of Leviticus that you're following through the entire book. Yeah, you know. So I think that's another reason because it's kind of it's kind of unique in the whole. And if you look at the whole text of Scripture, mm-hmm. where there's not a singular <clears throat> character. Yeah. that we're following his whole story through or her whole story through the entirety of the book. Yeah. You get you get little snippets of a story. Like, I mean, you you hear things about Aaron and you hear things about I mean, uh so when uh just thinking out, out, out here like Aaron's sons when they offer the the wrong sacrifice. 
hmm. and God kills them. Like you get you get little snippets of a story, but all of those snippets are to prove a point or to make the point that Leviticus is trying to make, which is God's people are to be holy. Hmm. You know this, and this is the first time that we really get the the resounding. If you think back to First Peter, we're going to talk about this in a little while. But you think back to First Peter, be holy because I am holy. Like you get that in Leviticus when he lays down the law and he says, "You're supposed to be like me, and here's how you're going to be like me." Mm. You know, here's how you're going to image me to the world around you is through these rules and these regulations and following these customs and doing these things. And, you know, one of the things that we get in Leviticus is the Feast of the Lord. And and we can talk about that in a little bit, but that, that ends up being a major part of the Israeli or the Hebrew lifestyle in the Old Testament is is following these Feasts of the Lord. And you, you can uh, even take that as far as to say, Jesus was born during one of the feasts, which would be the festival of Sukkot, which probably happened in like September-ish, early fall, maybe October-ish. It did not happen on December 25th. I'm sorry, I just broke everybody's lives, and and they don't know how to structure their year anymore. But um, no, I'm not against celebrating Christmas on December 25th, but just recognizing that Jesus probably wasn't born then. Um, And so... You know, you you have these thing these festivals that are really centered around the way that the Israel Israeli pe- or the Israelite people would have lived their lives, mm. and so um, you have the establishment of the priesthood, and then you also have the law, and then what it covered. Just kind of real quick, the things that the law covered, and what's going to be explained as we kind of as we walk through this book is going to be ritual cleanness, the atoning of sins. Um, the laws regarding sexual relations, um, taboo topic there, um, family life, how you deal with family life, how you deal with uh, major crimes mm-hmm. and things like that, and um, what happens to different people. And, and there's a, like, that's the thing, like, there's a lot of details in Leviticus that we read and we're like, this is pointless. I don't need to know what happens when um, the, you know, I, I fall down and I scrape my knee and there's blood running down my leg and... Uh, how I'm supposed to clean the wound. Like, I don't need to know all that kind of stuff because we have modern medicine and I can take care of that real quick. Um, but you, again, I, I want you to think back to what Brian was talking about. There's a bigger something at play here. What yeah. is it's not, it's not prescriptive, it's descriptive. And mm-hmm. so it's describing something that says, pay attention to this, you know, go back to Genesis and then he died and then he died and then he died. The point is not to tell you how old these people were, the point is to tell you people died over and over and over again because death had been brought into the world through Adam. Mm, yeah. You know, and so so look at more than just the details of what's happening, but look at what the details are painting inside of the story of Scripture. Yeah. You know, because what the law is going to paint for us, and this is what we're going to set up as we talk about advice for reading this book, what the law is going to, to paint for us is a picture of redemption that is going to come out of the fall. Remember the mm. narrative of Scripture, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Um, the, the beginnings of the picture of redemption are painted through the story of, or the, the text of Leviticus. Yeah. And so um, just kind of framing that and, and mm-hmm. setting that up as kind of our, our orientation to the book of Leviticus yeah. now, let, let's kind of focus on some advice that we can take into the book of Leviticus. How can we read this book? 
Yeah, so um, there's some key things to remember. Um, the laws that we read in Leviticus, they're just part of God's covenant with his people. Um, mm-hmm. They're not necessarily religious rites, but they are. But they point to an established relationship between Israel and God. God has chosen yeah. Israel to live differently than the pagan cultures and nations around them. And these Levitical laws are the framework that Israel is to follow to prove that they are holy yeah in the uh to the country to the pagan countries around them mm-hmm. um like we talked about already the heart of these laws is displaying the holiness of god it's not a restrictive um you can't do this kind of thing it is it is we're solely displaying the holiness of god yeah um remember back in our first peter study be holy because i that is the lord am holy um and, and the holiness of God should be displayed in the holiness of his people. Israel is to, is to has been chosen by God to be different, therefore they should be different. And yeah. here is how they are to be different, is by what is written here in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but you know, worship matters. And, and even more importantly, the right, proper worship matters. <laughs> um, you know, Aaron's sons died because they didn't follow the given rules Mm -hmm. for offering the sacrifice of incense before the Lord. They were, they were doing the thing. They weren't doing it right. And God (laughs) said, Nope, not, that's not how it's supposed to be done. And, and off they were. Um, (laughs) And And sorry, go ahead. If if you're the, uh, what is it? The, the red, what the red witch from Alice in Wonderland off with his head. That's what I think of. every time. I don't know why that reminds me of that, but like, God's basically just like, yeah, you did that the wrong way. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then remember, the structure of Leviticus is similar to the structure of the Ten Commandments. Um, in, in the same way that the first four, of the ten, the first four commandments are vertical, as in man's relation to God, mm-hmm. and then the last six of the Ten Commandments are horizontal, man's relation to man. The same thing applies here in Leviticus. The first part is vertical, and then the second yeah. part is horizontal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you with the establishment of of how we do offerings in in really like the first seven chapters, which we're going to get into here in just a minute. You like that is your relation to God because the sacrifices form the foundation for worship. Mm-hmm. They form the base for worship, and 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 I've said it on this podcast before, and so I'm not going to go into a ton of detail. But just remember, I, I love the point that you made that worship matters. Right, worship matters mm-hmm. because because. God gave the Israelite people, the Hebrew people, a very specific way to do their sacrifices, the type of sacrifices, what they're supposed to sacrifice, how they're supposed to sacrifice it. All of those details were given as a revelation of God. Mm -hmm. And it was God revealing part of who he is and the way that he wants to be worshipped. And and so, you know, it's— in the Old Testament, when we put that in the frame of the Old Testament and these people are wandering around in the wilderness and God says, all right, I want you to do this, and this is a free will offering, and this is a grain offering, and this is a drink offering, and this, you know, he gives these all all different types of offerings. He's really setting up the picture and the way that they will understand how they are to engage with God. Mm. And... You know, I, I want to bring that concept, how we are to engage with God, into our modern modern context and just say, it's important how your church worships. It's important how your church 
sing songs that glorify God. And, you know, I, I can think of a couple of other podcasts that I've listened to in the past, and, and one of them being the Worship Leader Probs um, guy. And and in the very beginnings of, of his podcast, he said that they used a, they basically used a, a formula deal, and, and he picked out songs. Some songs were on the scale that were more singing praise to God, and some were on the scale of singing deep theology or things about God. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he really... He he said it was a struggle, but he tried to balance the two because there is a balance between the two. And and yeah. it, you know, there there are there are some denominations that that hold to what's called the regulative principle of worship, which is like, um, in a nutshell, that basically says God gives us the way that we're supposed to worship Him, even in our modern context. All of that is described and prescribed in the Bible. I get that. And I don't necessarily agree with it mm-hmm. because because I do think God gives us some descriptions of how we are to worship Him. You know, I think First Corinthians lays out that we're supposed to worship Him orderly. You know, not chaotic. There are some things that are descriptive of how our worship should be done, mm-hmm. but I don't think that God laid down a very specific, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. Because when you look at the Psalms, when you look at um, Ephesians, you know, you see things like sing to the Lord a new song. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're singing a new song, then you're doing something that has not been prescribed before. Right. And so I, I think there's a case to be made for, yes, we need to, push the boundaries. We need to do things in our worship that are different, but we also need to be very careful to do things in our worship that remain focused on what the centrality of worship is supposed to be, which is the glorification of God, the glorifying of God. And I think that Leviticus gives us that basis to say, what are the things that I can do that will glorify God that will bring glory to his name, that will honor him and not me, and how can I do those things better? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So That me, was a little tangent. <laughs> no, but, I mean, just to piggyback off of it a little bit, I think also, too, like, I think we get so caught up in styles or certain mm-hmm. songs or, you know, yeah. it's got to be a certain, the, the singing has to be a certain length. Um, I think at the end of the day, if if your people are led to the throne and you're not singing heresy, then mm-hmm. I think you've had a, I hate using this term, but a successful worship experience. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be super deep. It doesn't have to be super shallow. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's room for both or there's room for something in the middle. Yeah. And the churches that I think are seeing a lot of growth are the churches that find the balance between singing um singing things that are descriptive about God without getting yeah. too into the minutia but at the same time singing truth and singing um you know think the things that are accurate about God and getting into mm-hmm. some theology without you don't have to have a theology degree to understand <laughs> some of the, to understand some of worship you know um yeah. you know, it was uh, I don't know so I occasionally catch up on my podcast, and I'm I'm currently doing that right now. 
but one of the pot, one of the ones I've listened to in the last couple of days, I've been listening to over the last couple of days because it's so long, is the interview that the RFP guys did with Jim Cimbala. Mm-hmm. Um, they went up to Brooklyn Tabernacle, and I'm sure if you've been in or around church at any point in time, you've heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. They have the big choir. They do these great songs, and and you know I I've always kind of been inundated a little bit because of me being raised as a Southern Baptist with quotes or kind of snippets of Jim Cimbala's statements, but I've never really sat down and listened to him talk for an extended period of time. Mm. And I know what they do at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. When I was a music intern, my worship pastor went to the Brooklyn Tab for a week and went to one of their prayer services that they have every week. And and But one of the things that, that Jim Cimbala was talking about on this podcast was he said, he was he was actually talking about during the pandemic. He flew from Brooklyn to Florida because his parents had a house and they were like, "Hey, we want you to come down and use this house for a couple of weeks or a week and and take a break. You need to take a break from ministry for a week." And so he's like, "Okay." So he flies down there and as they're getting ready to fly home, he gets a call from his executive pastor who's still in Brooklyn and says, uh, where are you? And he's like, well, I'm, you know, at the house. We're fixing to leave and go to the airport. He says, don't go to the airport. Don't get on the plane. Um, don't come back to Brooklyn. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And he says, this is March 8th of 2020 mm-hmm. is when this is. You'll recognize that date. And he says, everything has gone crazy here. Um, they've shut churches down. They've shut businesses down. They've shut banks down. They've shut all of this down. The whole entire state is going into complete and total lockdown, so you can't come home. And so he ends up stuck in Florida for a a few months. I haven't quite finished it yet, but one of the things he talks about is he says he started visiting churches. He said, as a pastor, since he's been a pastor in the early 80s, even back into the 70s, he's never had the opportunity to visit other churches because he's always been Mm -hmm. in his church every Sunday. Yeah, And, And so he says, well, now I've got this opportunity so I'm just going to go start visiting other churches. And he said, you know, one of the things that he said, he said, you know, some of these some of these churches that I visited wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if it came up and knocked them on the, you know, tapped on their back and <laughs> told them who right. was. He said, if 10% or 20% of your church is singing along with the with the band on stage, they're not worshiping. And he was like, it's just a show at that point. All that's happening is the people on the stage are performing a show for the people in the crowd. If your church is not engaging, and I think like I think about that. If you're choosing if you're choosing songs to to your point, that's where all of this was leading, to your point. If you're choosing songs that your congregation can, cannot, or won't sing, then you're not choosing the right songs. Yeah. And so pick songs that are, yes, theologically accurate theologically rich we want those things but also pick songs that are accessible you know you don't have to sing a 1600s puritan hymn that's like <coughs> be thou though thus thy thing and you're like, you don't have to do that that's right you know, that doesn't make you more spiritual but pick songs that number one teach your congregation at least a basic level of doctrine or theology and then pick songs that are singable so that they can join in singing them with you you know yeah. I love I love Phil Wickham, but fifty percent of his songs are not accessible to fifty percent of the population. <laughs> or the worship pastor needs to drop them down like yeah. six steps. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> As someone who has had to sing Phil Wickham songs, I appreciate when they drop them down three, three steps yeah. from where they're written. <laughs> oh gosh! But man, I do love a lot of his songs. Man, they're 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 great songs. So. Anyway, so diatribe. Yeah, that over. was a, that was like that was a diatribe. Sorry about that. <laughs> but now, okay. So now let's get into the overview of Leviticus. Let's let's fly through this a little bit. Um, yeah. So you have the first seven chapters are really the instructions for the offerings. Um, Mm -hmm. These are how the people of God are to offer their sacrifices for their sin. Um, The first six chapters focus more on the general population of Israel, like the the regular lay person, the regular civilian of Israel. And then Mm -hmm. chapter seven really um, hones in on the priests and their instructions, Mm -hmm. how their instructions are different than the uh, than the people of Israel's, um, and then we move into where priesthood begins. Um, mm-hmm. This is how the priests are to be chosen and how they're to be set apart. Um, and this is uh, in ver- chapters eight through ten. Um, and then I think this is where this is also where Aaron's sons. We, we've talked about this where Aaron's sons failed to follow the clear rules yeah. for their sacrifices, and so they died. Yeah. And that showed the importance <laughs> God placed on proper worship. Yeah. And then this is emphasized by various commands from Moses throughout chapter 10. Um, but but that's where we get the beginning of uh, the priesthood after mm-hmm. they've given the instructions for offerings to priests in chapter 7. And then chapters 11 through 16, we get into the difference between cleanness and uncleanness. This um, is the fun part. This is where people take a lot of stuff out of context. Yeah, it's it's a good one. Um, so this is how the people of God are to remain clean in the world they live in. Remember, the people of Israel are surrounded by pagan, worshiping, mm-hmm. I- idolatrous uh, nations, and so they've been called to be uh, set apart. Um, when we're talking about clean versus unclean, uh, clean is acceptable to God. And then unclean is unacceptable to God and banned from the tabernacle or even the entire <laughs> encampment. So that's kind of, you know, there's some consequence there for showing up unclean. Um, but but the 11 th- chapters 11 through 15 really, you know, give you not only um, what they what is considered unclean, things like there are certain animals that are unclean. If you if a woman gives birth, she's unclean. Any mm-hmm. bodily discharges, this is getting gross, but that's unclean. But it also gives instructions for how to purify and how yeah, to, and how to clean and how and how to get back to a, an acceptable state before God. Yeah, it's one of the things about cleanness and uncleanness is that it's not you're never stuck in a state of cleanness or uncleanness. You're really kind of always sliding between the mm-hmm. two. And the goal is to keep yourself clean. And so, like, for example, you know, you talked about, um, we'll, we'll be gross here for a second, bodily discharges or childbirth. Those are, like, a lot of those things are natural. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can stop, but it's recognizing that, number one, your discharge is because you're in a, a fallen world. Okay, right. you're in a broken world full of sin. And so this is naturally happening. It's not something that is in your control. You can't stop it from happening. It's it's a natural part of what's happening to your body. Mm-hmm. But God gives you, once that has happened, he gives you the steps to take to say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow this. And I'm going to get myself back to a state of yeah. considered clean. You present yourself before the priest and he declares you clean yep. and you're good to go. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's interesting because... So many times, I think today, Christians want to look at people 
who would possibly be considered unclean. You know, let's air quote unclean. And we want to say that those people aren't worthy of coming to church or something like that. And and I'm, I'm probably going to say something controversial here, but this is where I think 99.999% of Christians get Christianity wrong. Mm. Because the point is not that that person is unclean and they have to clean themselves up. No. Now that we have Christ and we have the blood of Christ, the per- the point of it is that person is unclean, and the only way they're going to be cleaned is through the blood of Christ, which means they need to be in that church. They need yeah. to be listening to teaching. They need to be discipled and and shown the love and grace and mercy that God has shown to you, because guess what? You were that person too, Christian. Yeah, You were that person who was broken and unclean too. So you're not any different. You're not any better. Get off your little hot horse and and get down in there and help the people who are struggling and maybe this is providence that this is ha- that they were recording this episode just a, a week or so after the Roe v Wade decision mm-hmm. because Christian now is your opportunity to show exactly how pro life you are how are you going to love that mom who got pregnant and doesn't know what to do with that baby. How are you going to show the love of Christ to that mom? How mm-hmm. are you going to show the love of Christ to two parents who are struggling? financially and can't afford that baby what are you going to do to help them i know i'm going to be looking for opportunities because i rejoice in the overturning of roe v wade i'm going to look for every opportunity i can find i'm going to be contacting crisis pregnancy centers there are things that we can do to show the love of christ this is our opportunity to get it right and we have to do it we have to capitalize Sorry, that was another tangent. <laughs> That's okay. I don't have anything to add there. No, the only thing I was gonna the only thing I was gonna add is like between the clean and unclean. Before you went off, and I mean it was great. Like I totally one hundred percent agree with everything you said. But like we as believers, even with Jesus, we're not there. Mm-mm. Like we still need. We're still called to repent of our sin and yeah. and turn to Jesus. So we're still, even though Jesus has covered us, there's still moments where we have to say, you know what, God. This is the sin I committed. I am confessing it before you. I'm turning my mm-hmm. back on it. That's your un- that's you recognizing your uncleanness and doing what Jesus has called us to do. Yeah. To get back into an acceptable state before God. Um so but yeah, your point is 100% valid. Like churches do a terrible job. I don't I, won't, I don't want to say churches. People in churches do a terrible yeah. job of welcoming <laughs> people who don't look like them or dress like them or have the same backstory mm-hmm. or have the same bank account or have the same job or yeah they people in churches do a I'm I'm trying really hard not to be like every <laughs> single person in every single church in <laughs> but a lot of people in a lot of churches don't do a good job of being a welcoming place for people who yes. already feel ostracized yes when the pregnant Mother, single mother who's been doing drugs shows up at your church. How are you going to respond to her? Mm-hmm. You well, know, yeah. When the when the pregnant sixteen year old, yeah, who doesn't who isn't ready who, to be a mother, yeah, what and who's you, never been to church in her life, yeah. What are you going to do? So what I am hope, I? What I am hope. I going to do? I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know. Yeah, I hope that I can. I can look at her. And I can respond with the love and grace and mercy in in my eyes and say, you know what? Yes, you you may have messed this up, but guess what? There's hope 
mm-hmm. there's redemption yep. in the in the eyes of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus, and we're gonna we're gonna get you help. We're gonna do something. We're gonna find ways to help you. And and I hope that's your response as a church. I hope it is. Yep. I pray it is. Yep. So <clears throat> So cleanness and uncleanness goes there. Then we, you know, he gives us the the Day of Atonement, which is where um, all of the sacrifices kind of for that year um, come in come into focus for one day. Um, something interesting about the Day of Atonement is that uh, they would have, they, they brought everything to, I think, when, when they were in Jerusalem, they brought everything into Jerusalem, but... Everybody had to make sacrifices on the Day of Atonement, and so you you hear stories. And when you read like Josephus and the histories of the Jewish people, you you hear stories of just like blood going everywhere mm-hmm. on those days. And and think about you know the amount of sacrifices that were made because this was the day that there was an animal put in place of you for your sin, and that was the that was what the atonement was for you is is that substitutionary that's where we get the substitutionary atonement from mm-hmm. it's from the day of atonement from the jewish people is where we get it from and they would have recognized on the day of atonement that this animal is paying the penalty for what i've done for the last year and and so you know they there's there's stories about what's called the scapegoat and I'm not going to get into all those, but look into it because man, there's just there's a ton of parallels between the scapegoat and Jesus being our scapegoat, and 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 all. Never mind. I'm just I'm not going to because we, we'll go for hours if we start talking about mm-hmm. that. But the Day of Atonement is the day when <coughs> people realized the the level of their sin, the severity of their sin, mm-hmm. and and that their sin was made to be atoned for on that day. Yeah. And so that leads us into the the last few chapters of, of Leviticus, really kind of the last 10 chapters, where we spend the next eight or so talking about holiness. Yeah. And, and how they live, how they're living in their daily lives, how they're supposed to be acting as God's chosen people. This, uh, I, I said 11 through 16 was where a lot of verses are taken out of context. This is also where several verses are yes. taken out of context because mm-hmm. you, you get the whole like, um, you get to like chapter nineteen where it talks about dealing with the foreigner and the and the person who's not in your land, and you leave parts of your field open, and so there's just a lot of of strange rules that that appear strange to us in a modern context. But in that day, and what I would encourage everybody to do is just read onto the history of why they would do certain things that were that seem odd to us, that seem awkward to to us as Americans, because yeah, you know, if you're a farmer. Um, leaving the corners, you know, basically the edges of your field open for people who walk by seems really strange. Number one, because nobody walks by a field anymore. Um, but but why would you do that? Why would you leave a certain part of your field open for just people to take things? That's stealing, right? That's that's you know, no, it was what God commanded because there was a lot of travel back and forth. And you couldn't, despite what people believe, there were no McDonald's back in early biblical times. That's that's a really surprising thing for a lot of people I know. But you couldn't just stop in the middle of your journey and go get a meal. A lot mm. of times you had to rely on people leaving stuff by the road. 
for you to be able to have some grain to be able to make bread or, or you know, whatever it was to be able to survive your one week, two week, three week journey. Here's another another thing. You know, people didn't have cars back then, and so they couldn't get across the country in three days. They would have to walk for weeks on end, and carrying supplies for weeks of travel wasn't always easy. Right. You know, so there there was a reason that all of these rules, and why are those reasons there? Well, it was because you were supposed to be the one who takes care of people who a lot of other people are going to reject or marginalize. It's your job as the people of God to do that. Yeah. Is Israel was called to be different. Yes. And and this is how they are to be different. Mm-hmm. Is basically the whole book of Leviticus. Yes. Yeah. Is, is this how they practically are to be different? Yeah. It's I I, I would word it or or I I think they word it in the book, deliberate holiness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's focused, it's it's personal. It's it's something that you make it, it, it think about like it, when Jesus says, "Take up your cross daily mm-hmm. and follow me." It's, it's an intentional thing. It's an intentionality yeah. thing. They they're choosing each day to not be like the culture around them, right? To be different, to do what God has called them and told them and and, yeah. and commanded them to do. And and it also ran in uh, opposition to the Canaanites. Yeah. You know that they were surrounded by it, it. It was contrary to the way the Canaanites or the pagan culture would have acted, and so it's a way that people would have seen them as what you were just talking about, being different. Mm-hmm. You know, being deliberately different or yeah. intentionally different. Yeah. Um, and so, with the holiness stuff, you end up with you know you talk about rules for sexual behaviors and your and your being neighbors and and sojourners and um, foreigners and all this thing, but. One of the biggest things that they talk about, kind of that you can take from this, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And and again, I'm going to point to the words of Jesus here when he says, all the law and the prophets hang on this. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is as this, to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and there's not a better summary of the Pentateuch. When he says the law and the prophets all hang on this, he's talking about the entire Old Testament. The Pentateuch, all of the prophets, everything, the histories, all of it, everything hangs on this. You love God first. Remember, go back to what we were talking about, the the structure of Leviticus. It's vertical first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love mm-hmm. God first. And then love your neighbor as yourself, love everyone around you. Your man, it's it goes from horizontal, from vertical to horizontal really fast. Yeah, and and that's that's how we will be known as people who are holy and separated and set apart from the world that is around us. I mean, think about it. John wrote that the world will know our love for God by how we love them. Like that, mm-hmm. that will be the evidence of our love for God yeah. is, is how we love the world around us. Yeah. So if, if you can't love your neighbor, if you can't love your coworker, if you can't love that crazy cousin or, or the, yeah. if you can't love those people, then I would seriously suggest taking a long look in the mirror and asking, <laughs> do you actually love Jesus? Because that doesn't sound like a Jesus that the Bible describes. Yeah. If you, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you a step further here. If you can't love your neighbor who's a Democrat, if you can't love your coworker 
who voted for Joe Biden or supports Roe v. Wade and is distraught because Roe v. Wade has been overturned, if you can't love that person, then you need to check Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, exactly what you're talking about. John 13. They will know you're my disciples by your love. Yeah. Love is not approval. That is, there's, we're talking about two completely different things. Love does not approve of sin and wrong, but love also does not point the finger and shout and yell when somebody is in sin or is right. wrong. Yep. And there is a there is a huge difference between those two. Yep. So, mm. so we love our neighbors, and then the last couple of chapters, it's it's really just kind of closing closing it up the book mm-hmm. here. Um, we talk about covenant sanctions, and then uh, in chapter twenty six, and so in twenty seven, we talk about redemption laws, and these really just deal with um, what's going to go wrong if you don't hold this in twenty six. That's the sanctions, mm-hmm. uh, covenant sanctions. If you don't uphold your end of the bargain, this is what's going to happen to you. Yep. And then uh, when you do uphold, uh, you get redeemed you you end up with the redemption laws there in in chapter 27 to close out the book of leviticus so there you go there's uh there's the whole book we want you guys to be holy uh because that's what the the book of leviticus tells us we should be Mm -hmm. um be holy as god is holy and and the focus of the book of leviticus is holiness yep so michael why don't you pray for us tonight man i can do that let's do it all right Dear Lord, thank you for um, just who you are. Thank you for how you have um, perfectly placed every single book in the Bible, and you have given it to us to instruct us, to give us uh, wisdom, to fill our tanks, to uh, help us to be more like you. God, thank you for the book of Leviticus. I know that it's a book that um, we typically either gloss over or skip entirely, but we know that you have um, put it in the Bible for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. We know that all of Scripture is inspired and uh, breathed by you. And so, God, we thank you for for the wisdom that is woven all throughout the book of Leviticus. And God, I pray that um, as we go about our week this week, we're able to uh, take some of what we've learned tonight or we pick up our Bible and read the book of Leviticus ourselves and we're able to apply something uh, from that book. Uh, to our own lives. And so, uh, God, we just thank you again for this opportunity uh, to just discuss this book. And I pray that you have uh, been honored and glorified in our discussion tonight. I pray that um, you just continue to bless every person who listens to this podcast now and in the years to come. And God, I pray that you are um, just honored and glorified in everything we do, um, but especially by all that we do here uh, on this podcast. So uh, we love you. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are and all you've done for us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, if they want to get a hold of us on the social of media things, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible podcast. And then you can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you and uh, have any discussions with you that you would like to have with us. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed or any beers you think would be good for a future episode of the podcast, we would love to 
get those suggestions and try to hunt those down. So we look forward to hearing from you and thank you for being a part of our Beers and Bible podcast family. Yes, yes, yes. So until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open and we will see you later. Peace out. Peace out.